you get the fuck out of here. We're scientists. Hello and welcome to No Refunds. My name is Dwight and joining me this week is... Alex. And... Tiff. Oh. Tiffany. <laughs> T- oh, Tiff. Tiff. That's an inside joke from this past <laughs> weekend. Um, everyone knows what it means. Yeah, um, they do. So, uh, awesome. So, it's uh, <laughs> we have... So, all right. Uh, I just want to set this up. No, I don't even want to set this up. Uh, Alex, you uh, were in charge of securing our guest for today. Um, So I had you reach into your bag of tricks. And what have you come up with? Um, So I pulled out, um, like, so... Think about it this way. Um, you know how like there's a there's different bags of tricks in in D and D, and you can pull out all these cool things like a Wolverine and like um, yeah, that's the like brown like, bag, right? Yeah, that's or... the brown bag of tricks. I pulled out like a um, you know Errol from Harry Potter. Yeah, the the, the Weasley's um, aging and decrepit owl. Right, right. The one that like flies into walls constantly and and doesn't know how to deliver lever letters properly. Mm-hmm. That's what I pulled out of the bag. <laughs> is, is that wow. how you're leaving it? Wow. <laughs> well, wow. see the so so see the way that I viewed it was wow. la- um. A couple weeks ago, we had somebody who does, you know, sound monitoring for like large scale bands. Uh, They've toured the world. Last week, we had somebody who literally has had a number one uh, alternative rock hit on the charts for eight weeks in a row. And this week, we have Corey. Corey. Yeah, yeah, we have Corey. (laughs) I I think... um... I think that was it was good. It was a good way to scale up with like Corey's it's escalation. The, Corey's absolutely the top of that list. Uh, he is more well known to our listeners than the other two people we had on. So very true, very true. Because because I think he's fair. There was a point in time where he wrote us an email every time we we recorded an episode. Almost specifically because I would be talking to him and I'd be like, oh, I, I can't do that tonight. I'm recording an episode of No Refunds. And then he'd just start typing <laughs> typing an email <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to write an email. <laughs> I'm going to get this question answered in five days as opposed to right now. Right. This is the best time for Corey to be on the show. Like the bar has been set so high and to have Corey come in is like, this is this is the best. This is the best series of events it could possibly ever be. And I'm I, ready to disappoint. You, see, for Corey, with you, I've I've always I've learned after years of knowing you. I've known you for uh, eleven years, roughly. Um, I've learned to set the bar as low as possible, so I'm never disappointed. Yeah, that seemed like a fair thing to do. 
I, I, I pull magic sometimes, you know, and they're like, wow, why can't the bar be this high every time? But yeah, that's, that's a fair point. But that's what makes those times extra special. That's how I feel about myself as well. It's like those like few times you get like the whole group to laugh and then you just ride mm. that high for the remaining like months of the year. And then you're just Absolutely. like, yes, yeah. that's the best way to do it. Yep. So um, speaking of already disappointing people, I just realized that one of the things that we do, and I totally oh, forgot shit. to say. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> one, of the things that we do, one of the things that we do with our guests is we ask them to prepare a, oh, no. a top five list. And I don't believe we asked Corey to prepare one. This I episode think, has already gone off the rails. I think it's too far. It's like so far removed from... Those. Well, what I, what I'm going to ask is top five uh, Nintendo 64 games because literally in our last episode we did our top five N64. Oh, games. N64 games. Glory, now I have to think about that real quick. That's or if a, you have top five TV shows, that works too. Either or top five whatever you want. Or, or, or you could do like three TV shows and two N64 games, or three N64 That's games and two TV shows. And just make sure it adds up to five. What's that's your what top five, say. top five list? Like, top that's five, top five list. Ooh. All right. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I think I could do a couple quick 64s. I, I may not have a reason why, but I think Star Fox 64 is on there. I used to play that a lot, rerun that. Um, you got to go with the first one, Mario 64. I think that was everyone's like first game into it. I also like Star Wars Rogue Squadron. Um, that was pretty good on there. Um Mischief Makers, I believe, was an N64 game. Shake Shake, absolutely. Shake Shake. Oh my god, that Yard Star Land was great. And then I think I only have four. <laughs> That's fine. I, I like that your fourth one was, I believe this was an N64 game. <laughs> it's my number four. I'm pretty sure it's N64, question mark? You know, it's, it's last minute, you know? No, yeah, we, we totally had it prepared for this. Yeah. What, actually, I forgot to say something about Mischief Makers in the last episode. So addendum to the last episode. One, when Alex brought that up, not you, Alex, other Alex, and it was talking about what's interesting about Mischief Makers, and Corey, I'm happy you brought this up, so thank you, is it, um, it was a 2D game when like the major push was for 3D games, which like you did not see very much. And I remember that receiving a lot of pushback, but Mischief Makers is fantastic. It's such a solid, fun game. So, and good, even, good. even for the time for 2D, it looked beautiful. And I think the graphics still hold up today based on the art style. And it yep. was a lot of fun. It could, I think when I was playing it, I had some challenging moments with it from what I can remember, you know, trying Absolutely. to shake, shake everything. I don't think I ever beat it. It's so good. It, it was just a lot of fun though. Um, yeah, I, I'm sorry that I forgot to prepare you for that, Corey. I, like, as Dwight was going to introduce this, I was like, oh, shit. I fucking forgot to... Dwight's been so good about preparing our guests and being like, hey, make sure you bring five TV shows. Make sure you bring five games. And I was just like, fuck it. Corey's going to show up and we're just going to do it live like we always do. And I failed. I'm sorry. All right, doing it live is the story of my life. <laughs> well, um, Corey, so one of the things that you have done a lot for this show is you have written in and sent us some amazing emails. And uh, we have some emails this week. So why don't I go ahead and share my screen for you all so we can yes. see what we're looking at here. Yes. So this first one is called... I don't have anything strange upstairs. Um, all right, this first one is called Recipes from Jess. But this is Jesse, I believe. Yeah. Uh, did you did you say 
Did you open share your screen and say I don't have anything weird upstairs? Yeah, he, by he upstairs I meant sure, Yeah, he wanted to make sure he didn't have like porn open. <laughs> open, open on my tabs. Yes, that was that was my big my big fear. But the weirdest just... thing up here is Dragon Ball Z and a refund. I'm pissed about this this refund here. Fucking, I ordered a HDMI converter, um, and they just were like, "Oh, it got lost." So, but at least I got a refund on it. What a bunch of oh, bullshit! Yeah, literally, it just says. Uh, no, no, that's not it. But anyways, um, and Dragon Ball Z, and calendar. I like that. I knew what you were talking about, but I like that you said any. I don't. I don't have anything weird upstairs. I liked right. that. I meant to say on the top, but upstairs I, is what came out. I got all kinds of weird stuff on the top and I, on the bottom. I, I can only confirm. keep weird stuff upstairs, like the bodies <laughs> of the people I kill. Ah. I was hoping we could uh, move right past that, but people people uh, people globbed onto it, so I'm happy. People are, people are, are yeah. People are yeah. Tiffany's catchphrase. Uh, uh, <laughs> people are yeah. Okay, yeah. so on this one we have, sorry, uh, this is the, from Jesse. Sorry, everyone. I think I missed the call for recipes or forgot. There are two here. One is a recipe for ricotta cookies I make, and the other is Bonnie's mac and cheese. Bonnie's famous mac and cheese. Yes, Bonnie's famous mac and cheese. She has voiced in the past that she doesn't really want it shared, so I redacted some of the information that makes it special. Uh, Side note on binging. I didn't remember until I listened to the episode 62, until episode 62, but when I was younger, I rewatched, when I was a bit younger, I rewatched all of Yu Yu Hakusho, and I was watching 22 episodes a day one summer. I think that's about eight hours and 40 minutes a day, somewhere around there. Oh my god. That's a lot of TV. Um, That's too much Yu Yu Hakusho, honestly. I don't disagree. Uh, Anything past the Dark Tournament is just bad. So here, so here's the mac and cheese recipe. We're going to uh, include this as an attachment in the show notes. Um, but <laughs> a, as of what this is, with all the redactedness, it's mac plus cheese. It's one pound of pasta. Redacted, 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 redacted. <laughs> one pound cheddar cheese grated redacted. Redacted, redacted, redacted. Preheat oven to redacted. Great cheese. Cook pasta al dente. Save pot. Massive amounts of redacted. Stir in cheddar redacted add salt and pepper and mix that is bonnie's famous mac and cheese ends with redacted after you add salt and pepper there's a massive redacted at the end so and the other one is for ricotta cookies which is a legitimate recipe i will include that one as well we are starting a no refunds cookbook um so thank you for being the first one my never fail fudge is going to be included as well my never fail fudge what are you a 70 year old lady uh, did you guys ever never fail fudge? Did you guys ever do like um, classroom cookbooks? Yeah, I remember. I still have my. Um, I don't know where the cookbook is, but I still have the recipes that I did in sixth grade, and I thought I was so fucking cute. And I had, and it was all in Comic Sans, and I made each letter a different color. <laughs> the 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 one that we I remember distinctly doing was never fail fudge, and I remember somebody else also put in a fudge recipe and they were the same because it's whatever's on the side of the uh the fluff jar yes yes <laughs> wow you would think with all your mom's cooking and recipes and stuff you would have come up with something better than never fail fudge i think i just sprung it on her oh yeah that sounds about right sounds like dwight i miss those cookies we should bring that back like normalize the cookie book should i make my students do that before they go away for the semester like everyone needs to bring in a cookie recipe or you can't 
you can't i'm not gonna pass or you're i'm not gonna give you a passing grade <laughs> i have a solid idea you're gonna hold their grade hostage yeah for a recipe. give me your cookies it's 90 percent of your grade everything else is 10 <laughs> yeah, give me your cookies honestly that would be that would help some of my students who are basically dead right now they still wouldn't do it though they still wouldn't do it so all your cookies are belong to me all your cookies are belong to my mouth so thank you very much jesse for that email uh the next Uh, one we have is from bonnie and she has an (gasps) issue with some things that jesse said i'm just kidding i don't know what she wrote i haven't read it yet um hey guys pretty casual listener here who just listened to most of episode 60 61 the one where the guy who does the stuff with the band and games and stuff. So I assume she's talking about Ricky. <laughs> oh. I think that was 61. Yes. I loved the rapid fire questions and felt this is a great way to get to know your guest. Haha. I also loved the topic and conversations around media that affected you. I have heard some con I have heard some conversations about Journey, and while I have not played the game, I have listened to the soundtrack. I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like the music affects me and my mood so strongly this soundtrack brought me on an emotional ride. There are a lot of other soundtracks and albums in general that will change my mood in an instant. Does this happen with any of you? Uh, I will come back to that. I miss you all and love again to listen to your random musings uh, about who cares on your podcast. Can't wait for another girls night takeover of no refunds. Smiley winky face. Love you, Bonnie. Hey. Does anyone have a soundtrack or um, music that immediately brings you into a specific mood or that you use to like alter your mood? I would really, really love to save this for episode in the future 75 i don't know if i want to spoil it um because i also am like this with music and music is very important to me um i'm blanking on specific soundtracks right now um but i know what happens for me when i when i'm talking about soundtracks uh the first one that sprung to mind for for me was celeste the soundtrack for that uh game um really sits with me in a very specific way and it like the a sides take me on an emotional ride whereas the b sides are really good for like psyching me up um and i will put on one of those depending on what kind of mood i want to be in if i if i want to go on that emotional journey or if i just want something that's upbeat and will be fun to listen to uh so that's a that's a soundtrack that definitely has a has had a profound impact on me yeah i'm in the same boat as bonnie i've actually never played journey but i listened to the soundtrack i don't think i quite made a complete emotional like i get an emotional ride from it but it was really good um when she said soundtrack i mainly thought of like movies or plays like right now if i want to get into a better mood i am obsessed with the hamilton soundtrack yes i i don't know why it's like the song keeps changing of which ones i'm really into but it it will go through right now it's wait for it mostly and i feel like that's a very good song it gets stuck in my head like instantly and yeah i actually was also gonna say hamilton because that's the one i've been coming back to a lot (laughs) um and the other one that popped into my mind maybe not an emotional connection but a, a i was just talking to a student about um the Garden State soundtrack. 
um, Garden State, if you remember from the top movies episode, is one of my favorite movies. And the soundtrack um, is like, was kind of my first intro to some indie music. Um, and that's a, that's one that like, if I'm feeling nostalgic, I'll throw that on. And um, yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. There, there's music that I, I don't realize has an emotional effect on me until uh, like very specific moments. Um, the number one off the top of my head, I think, is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Arcade Game. When the, the Ninja Turtles theme plays, I'm just fucking with you. Um, I wouldn't seri- be surprised. <laughs> uh, serious answer is The Legend of Zelda. Um, mm-hmm. That is a, a game or a game series that I have played for literally as long as I can remember. Um, it's just been like a constant in my life. And then uh, several years back, Tiffany was um, amazing enough to get me tickets to the Zelda Symphonic, which was um, put on in Boston. And we went down, we made a whole weekend of it or a whole evening of it. Um, and when we were sitting in that orchestra or in in the, the auditorium or whatever it's called. Yeah, it was, um, it, was the, the, it wasn't the, a symphonic. It was the... The Zelda, the, the symphony. It's called, I thought it was called, Zel- oh, Zelda Symphony. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was called it the Zelda Symphonic. No. Uh, anyways, uh, when we were in that room, um, and like the moment that they played, because the first song they play is the, um, the, the very classic, like, overture of The Legend of Zelda, like, I got so emotional. It it was ridiculous. Like I like welled up type of deal. And like because they were showing images of the games in the background, and it was just this like weird emotional ride that I was not prepared to go on over Legend of Zelda music. And so that's that. Uh, I apparently have a very deep emotional connection with Zelda. So I that. also weirdly feel that way about Zelda in the same way Bonnie's talking about Journey. I've never played. I think I've played one, one temple or whatever in one Zelda game, <laughs> but maybe or whatever it's called. Is that what it is? I think you played Ocarina of Time a little bit. I played a little bit of it. Um, but I, when we got married, Dwight, I walked down the aisle to the, yeah. the theme and that yeah. always brings back memories. But I love watching you play those games because that music to me, um, especially for me, it's Wind Waker because I love the piratey music so that's a game i've never played and probably will never play ever but that music is so fucking good yeah i was i was uh just about to say before you said that i was like oh man zelda makes me think of the wedding that i went to that i was in the wedding party for because i very Uh, specifically uh, uh, uh. remember you walking down the aisle to isn't it amazing how you can tie memories to music and then get them so fucking wrong (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, I do very specifically remember because when I was at your wedding, like we were friends, but we weren't super close. And I remember that song playing and I was like, man, I fucking love these two. (laughs) (laughs) Does anyone have, I I don't know if we've talked about this on here before. Does anyone have any specific music memories that are tied to games that don't have to do with the game soundtracks? I remember distinctly playing through Metroid Prime and listening to foot in mouth disease by gob on repeat and i so every time i listen to that album i think of metroid prime does anyone have anything similar to that i i know i've brought this up before and probably on the podcast but when i got golden sun for my gba i also got hybrid theory by lincoln park and i put that in my disc man and i listened to hybrid theory on repeat that's awesome i played golden sun i I know I've said that like 
a dozen times, probably on the podcast, but um, that's one. And then the other one is when I played City Heroes with my brother in high school, we would we would listen to Radiohead on random, on shuffle, on um, my brother's MP3 player. We'd plug it into our stereo and just listen to it while we both played City Heroes. So those two are my like music tied to video games. That's awesome. I, I don't really have something like that. Most of the time when I when I play a video game, unless it's something that after a while, like Overwatch gets repetitive, I'll just listen to the in-game music, the in-game sound effects. And I won't really put on anything else if unless we're doing like, like I previously mentioned Overwatch or some type of game like that where you don't really need to hear everything that happens. So when it's very similar to me when I was grinding stuff in like Pokemon, it's like, I don't need to listen to this battle music for 7,000 hours while I'm, <laughs> you know, doing IV stuff or whatever. Um, what, so Tiffany, what can you say about uh girl's night? Um, it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies night part two. I want to bring back the, the original cast. Um, Bonnie and I went to uh, dinner a few weeks ago and we were just talking about stuff. And she had specifically talked about, because I said I wanted to do another ladies' night and maybe bring back everybody. And she's like, it's kind of interesting and kind of cool to, like, get to know people, like, through this podcast. Because, like, none of them knew. I knew I know all of them, but, you know, Bonnie doesn't know Carissa and doesn't know Haley. And, like, they don't know each other. So it's kind of neat to get to know people in this way. Um, So I want to see, like, maybe do a couple more. Um, and see what happens with that. But yeah, Ladies Night Part Two uh, will happen. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah. I look forward to it. So um, our WordPress site was updated. Wow, cool. Um, and uh, we are help strengthening the security of our Google account. But we also have another email from Jesse. <laughs> I feel like Jesse's getting very bored. I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here we go. Uh, this one's just called VHS. Uh, hey, no refunds crew. I also had the Diddy Kong and the Banjo Kazooie VHS commercial tapes, and I did the same thing. I watched those countless times, hoping that one of you, uh, that one year, I would be gifted with those games as a birthday or Christmas present. Also, Mischief Makers ah, was one of my favorite Nintendo 64 games, and I'm glad other people know what it is. Well, then you're super glad with this episode because we've talked about it for like an hour. Um, <laughs> I enjoy hearing everyone's opinions on the top five N64 games. I think it would be fun for new episodes if you did a top five for all the consoles that everyone played on. Ooh, maybe future episodes. Is he trying to kick me out of my own podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah very week, rude. I think next week is trying, Super Nintendo. Yeah, I think he's trying to move his way in and remove Tiffany. He's like, maybe if I suggest this... They'll have me on and we can get rid of Tiffany, which I do not like that idea. Um, I just want to make that clear. I like Tiffany uh, more than I like myself, which doesn't say much. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's a very low bar. (laughs) Alex and I had a very depressing conversation today, very briefly, just about about life. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I mean... Does that surprise anyone? Like no. every every you know every like five or six hours, I have to have a depressing conversation. It is just yeah. it's ingrained in my DNA. I feel you that. wake up in the middle of the night and you're just like, oh man, and you just like say it to nobody. But you <laughs> oh have man, to have that existential conversation. dread. Back to sleep. I love existential <laughs> dread. I I had a meeting with my advisor 
today for my master's program and she's like how are you i'm like oh you know just the general existential dread <laughs> that's like, what i told my doctor when i went to the doctor a couple months ago yeah, she was like, well because i yeah. think they're asking those questions because of like covid and stuff like that and she was like oh how they are you wanted, doing i'm like yeah. no no more than the usual amount of existential dread and i didn't have to go to therapy so <laughs> that, that makes one of us <laughs> i think i would benefit greatly from therapy I think everyone would. I highly recommend it. It's great. Honest honest to God. If anyone has a good therapist that they could recommend, I would love that. You can reach out to me privately. I would appreciate it. I think Tiffany is one of the least replaceable people on this show. Wow. I thought you were going to say least good or something bad and i was gonna rage quit i I think tiffany is one of the least tall people on the show i hate all of you that's so true this is very rude i don't want to be on this podcast or he's just sucking up to you the the thing about the show and like this doesn't need to be in the episode it can and you use that loosely i don't i don't really care (laughs) but like the thing about it is whenever we don't have one of us on the power dynamic feels so weird because we've gotten so used to playing off of each all like all three of us playing off of each other it feels Mm -hmm. weird going back to like just me and dwight or that one episode that was just me and tiffany or the couple episodes that have been dwight and tiffany because apparently they hate each other Uh (laughs) (laughs) one of us hates the other I'll leave it up to you to decide. Who. Like a good marriage should be. I think all of us are irrepa- irreplaceable, except for me, who doesn't know how to edit the episode. So I'm actually replaceable. Yet. You need to have a growth mindset. You need. Mm. You don't know how to edit yet. Yet. One the power day, of yet. One day I will be important to the podcast. Then they can never replace you. Yep. Mm. We're going to replace you with Corey. I'm okay with that. Well, no, wait. Here's the problem. Corey doesn't have strong enough opinions to fit slot into my role because my role is mm. the, the uh, curmudgeon. So you need to get somebody that's angry and hates everything. So yeah, um, I don't think Corey's that guy. I can pretty much say I'm the opposite of that. I, I am usually generally positive on a lot of things and it's after time I will become negative if if I continue to think or they stick in my head, I'm like, yeah, maybe it wasn't so good as I thought this was, but I, there are I, very you, few you things mean after, that come out negative. You mean after you spend time listening to Alex trash it? I, I yeah, think, that happens too. I think that's why Corey and I are going to get married someday because mm. we're, we're just polar opposites. And you know what they say, opposites attract. Yeah, I get that. You know, uh, I take uh, two steps forward. You take two steps back or something like that. What's that song? <laughs> How's it go? What is uh, what? Opposites attract. The song Opposites Attract. Like by Paula Abdul? Yeah. <laughs> P.S. I feel like you should have talked about the Christmas Smash Tournament where we all went to Dwight's and then he proceeded to beat us all. I feel like we should do that again and maybe I can have another chance at another medal. Smiley face. Yeah, it's called Smash Miss. Also, wasn't yeah. that the music video where she had like cartoon animals in it? Absolutely. Okay. It's like a cat, right? I thought it was like Roger Rabbit esque, but maybe I'm gonna look it up. I don't know <laughs> enough Paul about Rudd. Paula Abdul. We I should talk about Paul Rudd. How are you? How do you think he's doing these days? Um, who? Good. Paul Rudd. He definitely doesn't have COVID. 
He's definitely handing out cookies. He's the best. So that is the emails that we received. That was, um, we definitely didn't go off topic during that email section. No, but (laughs) speaking of kind of going off topic, sorry, Tiffany, what? I'm, I'm getting ready to report on this. (laughs) (laughs) Reporting. Yes, this is the one. Reporting live from her computer. (laughs) This is the one. Yeah, but it's like a, it is like a cat. I trust you. The animation is, it's, the whole thing is very Roger Rabbit-esque. Mm-hmm. So, Dwight, you'll love it. It's a good song. I love Roger Rabbit. I'm so, going to mute um, myself so I can listen to it. Okay. <laughs> so, so, one of the things that Bonnie mentioned that she really liked in her email was she liked it when we asked Ricky a bunch of questions. So, this is 100% a new no refunds thing where we are going to ask our guests questions we did it with billy we did it no did we do it with billy we uh yeah we did it with ricky and then we did it with billy i think the second one we, was billy nope we did it with uh maddie maddie that's who it was it that's was maddie, who it was yes. i was like we definitely did it two times ricky was yes. the second time first yep. time was maddie yeah it was Correct. maddie so Corey, we've got some questions for you buddy I do not know what these questions are. <laughs> Tiffany does not know what these questions are. Only Alex does. And I'm very excited. I'm so, excited as well. Alex, take it away. Okay. Um, we'll start off with an easy, like a lob, lob ball. You know, start it off real easy. What's stopping you from owning a sloth? <laughs> <laughs> I guess the fact that I already have three cats. Where do you see yourself in the next five years regarding your stance on baked goods? Uh, probably more positive than I am now. Um, who is your favorite no refunder? Pass. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, is that is that does that mean people on the podcast yeah. or does no refunder mean like our fan base? No, no, no. <laughs> on the podcast. Okay. Um, why in four v one survival games do you always sacrifice your friends to save your own skin? A minute to win it. Um, if you could only watch your favorite movie while submerged in le- <laughs> I'm sorry. If you could only watch your favorite movie while submerged in leftover crayon wax shavings, how often would you watch it? <laughs> hmm. uh, probably like once every two months, you know. If, if only if I can get that crayon, leftover crayon wax shavings. What is happening? Left over. If, yeah, what if, is that? Oh, no, no. We haven't even gotten to the best one. I, if, <laughs> if Grimace propositioned you for sex in exchange for free McDonald's for life, what would you do to him? <laughs> it's not if you would. It's what would you do? <laughs> I, guess, I guess the usual. Oh, uh, okay. Under what? oath, when was the last time you showed your pants? Wait, 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 what is the usual? I, I think the usual is very clear. On I think it's double, double animal style. I know I, that's an in and out thing, but. I feel like I need a, like a demonstration. Yeah. Can um, you give us a visual demonstration of what you would do to Grimace? Some for hand gestures. McDonald's for life? Some hand gestures. I guess there's some of this. Ooh. I guess does some Grimace, of this. Does Grimace have two penises? 
Yes. <laughs> um, uh, under oath, when was the last time you sharded your pants? I have never sharded my pants. Mm. How sloppy do you like your Joes? Very. <laughs> uh, if your own dominant hand granted wishes, but your fingers permanently curled like a monkey's paw each time, how many of those wishes would you give to Jess, and how many would you use yourself? <laughs> Uh, I would probably give two to Jess, two to myself, and just leave one. On a scale from one, one to seven, how was your last poop? <laughs> On a scale of one to ten? One to seven. One to seven. How Sorry. was your how last was... poop? I'm, I'm going to give it a seven. If we started a no-refund softball team, would you rather pitch or catch? Definitely pitch. <laughs> uh, do you think Easter Bunny eggs hatch chickens or more bunnies? More bunnies. If Tiffany ran an entire marathon just to kick you in the crotch, how would you feel about that? Confused and conflicted, but yet honored. And a last question. What the heck was up with that one shot of Denethor eating the tomato? Why was it so friggin' gross? I, I, I can't answer that. Okay. What, uh, what is that last question referring to? Uh, it's Lord, Lord of the, the Rings. Rings. Oh, okay. Oh, it's a fucked up shot. Oh it's yeah, gross! It's a disgusting shot. Um, well, this has been wow rapid fire questions featuring Brian and Billy. <laughs> I love it. It's my favorite segment. Um, I do too. I I tried to. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what I tried to do. My favorite easily is if your own dominant hand granted wishes, but your fingers permanently curled like a monkey's paw each time. How many of those wishes would you give to Jess and how many would you keep yourself? Like the question didn't go where I thought it was going to go in the first half. That's a, qual- that's a sign of a quality question. I agree. Is when like you cannot see where it's going to end or you uh, think it's going to go one way and it goes a different way. I, that, I was, appreciate uh, that. that was quite enjoyable. I feel like I lear- I've learned a lot about you, Corey. Yeah. How do we, how do we get out of this? Like how uh, do we how do we get out of this segment? Corey, uh, speaking get us of out giving, of this segment. Speaking of giving grimmest blowjobs. <laughs> um, Tiffany. Tiffany. Oh yeah? Wait, why is this coming to me? Um, I don't know. I hate I hate it. Have you never had fantasies about grimace? I sure have. No. I I think I'd be more into like the hamburglar. Oh. Yeah, it's dangerous. I always felt like uh, growing up, like uh, Ronald McDonald scared me, but not just because he was a clown. That clown's going to come to life and diddle me. I didn't think like anything. I thought that was what I thought, which I think in hindsight is a weird thing to think. It's just like a metal statue of Ronald McDonald. This episode took a turn. Um, so speaking of metal things, speaking uh, of speaking of metal uh, things, we all watched the first episode there of we the go. second season there we go. of Ronald McDonald Simulator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> Mandalorian, <laughs> that fucking um, theme song, man. So, <laughs> the Mandalorian, uh, for those of you living under a fucking rock is a <laughs> disney plus show did we talk about the first season on on the podcast i don't know if we did i think it, um, it came i think tiffany and i got disney plus 
like in our downtime, and then I don't think we talked about it when we came oh. back. Okay, so I don't know if we did. The Mandalorian is a Disney Plus show that was uh, show run by John Favreau. Uh, it came out last October, late late last year, uh, 2019. It doesn't feel like 2019 was last year, but it was. 2020 is still not over. Um, and last Friday, they premiered the first episode uh of season two which i didn't watch until like 30 minutes before this podcast started (laughs) because i was very adamant that i was not watching it in october because october is meant for spooky things and mandalorian is not spooky so i was waiting and i watched it i think we all watched it which is great i think that's the first time everybody on the episode has been ready for something and I would like to throw it to Corey. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, Better you yeah. than me. <laughs> so I, I find it funny. I'm just going to talk about the first season and the second season. I like how the first episode is both like an hour long. Like, and then it, like, I'm not sure they're going to continue it. But then I remember for the rest of the first season, it got down to like 30 minutes. And I always thought, I felt it, especially watching this one. I'm like, they're really setting up how the season's gonna go. Mm-hmm. And I feel like half hour shows, it takes like one or two episodes, like sometimes three. But this one, I felt like, oh, we know what we're gonna do. It's at least I love the way it felt Western. I hope they keep that going throughout yes. the whole thing. Um, at some points, I felt like it reminded me a lot of Firefly at some points, mm-hmm. just with how people interacted with each other. Like, I don't know how spoilery I should get with it. So I'm trying to still be kind of vague. I, I think um, for our own audience, there's like a couple of big things that happen towards the end. I think if we just ignore that, I think the rest of it is fair game for the most part. It's I agree. Like that, that I think is like a, a lore spoiler. Everything else is just an episodic thing. So I think that that's my only restriction. Yeah. Does yeah, that make if, sense? If we want to talk about it in terms of like, uh, like, like, story-wise i think the easily we can we can talk about the story of the episode the the plot of the episode is uh mando uh kills some guy in a really cool way at the very beginning of the episode (laughs) and then he goes to tatooine and he goes to this town that's like literally straight out of a western and they even have the scene where the the lone rider slowly rides through yeah. town while everybody in this like ghost town watches him from their doorways literally what while like the western music plays in the background and he goes into the saloon um it's literally straight out of a western and then he meets timothy oliphant and uh they like strike a deal for him to help them defeat this like monster that's plaguing their town i think that's all we really need to discuss in terms of plot we don't need to talk about how they do it we Mm -hmm. could talk about how tuscan raiders are involved but i don't i don't think that we need to get into specifics so So, Corey, sorry one of the things i was going to bring up i'd like how he left baby yoda in his pouch (laughs) when he got off the bike and he went into saloon he didn't even try to help him out he didn't even like carry him in he's just like i you can get on your own if someone takes you it's fine at this point yeah (laughs) i would die for baby yoda and i say that like from episode one of the first season 
through every week, I imagine in this season, every episode, at least once, I'm going to say I would die for baby Yoda. Oh, sorry, I, the child. I don't know. People get angry sometimes when you're like, oh, it's not baby Yoda. Oh, whatever. Whatever. Well, the, baby Yoda. Well, he is a baby Yoda. Like Yoda's yeah. race is called Yoda's race. Yeah, yeah. they haven't named it. They, they, like, they, have, have, I, they haven't named the race. People literally refer to the race of Yoda as Yoda's Yoda. race. So to call it a baby Yoda, I guess is dropping one word. It's a baby Yoda's race. It's a baby that, Yoda. Like that, that is, so you could just call it shorthand. Baby Yoda is short for baby Yoda's race. Yeah, I, I would know. die for him. I think, I think we can that. all agree that um, this show is the best Star Wars to have come out since probably the original trilogy. I think it is uh, heads and shoulders above everything else that's come out in terms of aesthetic, mm-hmm. acting, mm-hmm. pacing, and like just the cinematography. I think that the show is so good in setting up a world that feels real and lived in and like Star Wars. Everything's dirty, dingy, run down. It feels like original trilogy. It like you could watch Return of the Jedi and then go straight to this and it just slots in so beautifully and you can tell the the craft and care that they have for everything. Alex, you ready for my bold statement of the day? Mhm. Mandalorian is the best thing since Empire. Ooh, better than Return. Better than Return of the Jedi. It is a very wow. bold statement. I don't know if I agree with that, but I, I, I can totally see why you would I, think. I that. mean, I said bold statement of the day, so yeah. I, I just love like the, the subtleness that they do with the world T- building while like ignoring. Okay, Tiffany. Yeah. Tiffany had no. A go pin. ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. Go. Oh. I don't want to get you off track. I, 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 I want to talk remembered, about. I remembered my pin, so I it'll come back. Nice. So specifically, the thing that I, I, I like. The, the moment that jumped out to me, and this is, it's not a spoiler, but there's like actually, apparently people are theorizing about this. The moment when Mando and the sheriff are like driving or either riding their horses, uh, which are land or speeders, to um, go check out the, the monster that's been terrorizing the town. I, I noticed that, so the Mando is on a, a speeder bike, but I was looking at what Timothy Oliphant was on and I was like, that looks weird. And, it, and like, it immediately clicked me. It's like, that's a pod racing engine. And like, that's just something so subtle that like, they don't draw attention to it. It's just, he, he has, he has scavenged a pod racer and turned it into a, a regular speeder. And that is such a cool use of the technology that we as Star Wars fans already know exists in this world. And it's just like a, amazing interpretation of it and an amazing usage of it people are theorizing too that 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 uh pod racing engine is one of anakin's original engines as well which is doubly neat my pin might slot in here and and this kind of it's tangential to your point dwight um but the thing i think that makes this one of the best star wars things ever is that it does it does that type of fan service and there's all these like little these little things that they don't super call attention to like they've done in like the the sequel trilogy and everything um so there's all of those little tidbits but at the same time it doesn't alienate people who are new to star wars it other than it would happen in this last episode where like something happened and they're like oh the the whatever crystals and i was like what the fuck is that and i hate when star wars does that and I hate when stuff does that anywhere where they name things that don't need to be named and it doesn't mean anything for anything else. It's just like, oh, the Sarlax crystals. And I'm like, what the, f- I don't know what that is. 
why why did you need to bring that and i know star wars and other things do that stuff but that aside i think mandalorian does a good job at like welcoming in people who are new to star wars without making them feel stupid or like they've missed something and i appreciate that i appreciate the like the love and care for like the og star wars fans but also being able to open that world and not be gatekeepy for for new people absolutely that was my point i feel like that's they they've done a great job with that and i feel like they're one of the better ones to do that because i i get what you're saying there's a lot of other shows or like continuations of other properties and they were like oh well here's this that only people who've seen everything else will understand and we're going to make a big deal of this and if you don't know you're just like what's the point of this yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. like i like when they do subtle nods subtle nods are always the best because like what you said you can just watch it and if you don't know it it does you're like okay it, it, you don't even notice it but if you know it you're like yes you can like pump your fist in the air jump yep. on the couch depending on how excited you are and just go from there yep. yeah um I, I was gonna talk about like the like reference that's in this episode is that a spoiler to talk about what timothy oliphant is wearing i don't think so because well mm. It was a moment when Tiffany and I were watching and we were like, holy shit. But, um, so spoiler alert, yeah. possibly. But so, I, like, I, I, feel I, like, I feel like this is a really good uh, point to what Tiffany was talking about. Like, th- this is, they, they show you something that if you're a fan of Star Wars, you immediately look at and go, holy shit, that guy's wearing Boba Fett's armor. Yeah, but like it doesn't matter to the plot of the story. Yeah. He's just like, oh, I got it from some Jawas, and they show that later, and yep. it's just like you're supposed to assume that the Jawas salvaged it from the Sarlacc that ate Boba Fett, and they gave it to this guy. Like it, it, it holds no bearing other than for fans to go, holy shit, that guy's wearing Boba Fett's armor. That's so cool. And then to just move on from it. It's not like they make a huge deal where like somebody's like, oh my God, why are you wearing Boba Fett's armor? Like they they don't draw attention to it. It's just there for you to enjoy well, and then move on. They kind of draw attention to it because that's Mando's but, like, you need to give that back because that's they draw, mine. <laughs> they draw attention to the fact that it's Mando. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah. It has nothing to do with Boba Fett. It's, yeah, it's yeah, all I about gotcha. Mandalorian tradition which was set up in the first show, like our first season. Um, To the point where there was that moment when he showed up and I was like, oh my God, is that, is that Boba Fett? Like, is is that Boba Fett? And then he sits down and I even turned to Tiffany. I was like, if he takes off his helmet, he's not a real Mandalorian. She takes it off. But this is actually kind of cool about that character. Um, I think it's like Cobb something. Uh, Cobb Vanth. Uh, That's just the name of the character. But, I have not read any of the new Star Wars novels, but in just doing some like light research on this episode, the character of Cobb Vanth is actually a main character in one of the new in one of the new trilogies of novels that oh, cool. uh, has come out as part of the new extended universe. That is awesome. To the, it, it is to the point where like all of the stuff he talked about in his backstory about um, being like uh, enslaved and like escaping and like helping this town, it's in there. It's slightly different. Um, so people are saying like they've kind of 
of retconned some stuff, but like the majority of his backstory lines up. So this is like already an established character that has like some backstory and lore. And like the beautiful thing about this is you don't need to know any of that for this to work in this moment. I didn't know about it until I did some research and it's like, he just, he feels like such a fleshed out and living person. Uh, and it's just, Absolutely fantastic. I I, oh, I really enjoyed Timothy Oliphant's uh, portrayal of this. Going back to like the show as a whole, uh, to a certain degree, I really like the the way that they set up the Mando and his mission in such a way that we don't feel like it's necessary to have like like mainlining like plot about just the Mando. A lot of episodes, especially like towards the end of last season, and it seems like it's the direction this season is going to go to, were just kind of standalone stories about the Mando working with other people to kind of further himself through his journey with baby Yoda. Um, And I love that. I love that each episode is kind of its own standalone experience. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, especially an episode like this it just felt so cinematic and like it stood on its own in such a way that i was just like man i could watch this a thousand times in a row and feel satisfied feel satiated because it just it had such a well-told story it had a beginning a middle and an end it had great characters i know tiffany likes characters and it was just so pretty it was really fucking pretty (laughs) Uh, to to your point about like the episodic nature of this, what I love about the first season is like you have those like episodes where it's like it feels almost like you know monster of the week, flavor of the week type of thing, where it's mm-hmm. like oh we introduce a new character here, we introduce a new character there, and then like by the end of the season, it's almost like you know you go back and you round up that posse of people, and yeah. now you have like an already established group of people going on a mission. It does. It's everything that there's this one episode of doctor who where like the doctor at the very beginning goes and rounds up this random group of people and they go on like a heist or whatever. It's everything that that episode wants to be, but they earn that by doing this. And um, to your, to your point about it being cinematic, Alex, another thing I, I Tiffany, I noticed this at the very end. Um, apparently during the, the large fight with the, um, with the monster, they switched aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I only noticed this after the fact. Like, so once they, they, you know, everything gets wrapped up and the episode's coming to an end and Mando's riding off into the sunset, the aspect ratio shrinks from, I think they go to like to a 20 by 20 by nine, but it shrinks back down to a 16 by nine that it's normally in. Mm-hmm. And it was like so cool and weird to see and i did not even notice when it switched to the wider resolution um and they did that specifically for the fight sequence so that you could see more of what is going on and i love that this movie is not afraid to play with that type or this movie the show is afraid to play with that type of stuff um that is just absolutely amazing yeah i i loved it and i also love how this show hasn't shied away from like practical effects um seeing like them riding the banthas and seeing like the the real fur and shit like that it it was very satisfying to me and i think that's part of the reason that it feels so much like original like trilogy because that stuff wasn't originally all special effects or wasn't all um cgi it was 
practical uh, a lot of the time. And I like that they've been sticking to that for the most part. Sometimes they can't stick to that, like when they're doing gigantic monster stuff. But for the most part, they've been really good about it throughout the entire first season and this episode with uh, the effects. And I, I really appreciate that as someone who has always loved practical effects like The Thing and stuff like that seeing that in this has been really great my my favorite thing from this episode is when speaking of practical effects is you actually see one of the tuscan raiders brushing abantha's teeth when you first walk into the village i saw that and i'm like like it 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 looks so good and i I was just sitting there like i was mesmerized by that i could watch that on the loop and just Mm. just be satisfied for days Corey, what did you think about the use of the Tuscan Raiders in this episode? I, th- I, it was a, how I want to put it. It was beyond what I was expecting when I first saw them introduced. Like when he was first going to the, the Western town and you just see him all of a sudden, he's just chilling with them. I'm like, that's not, that's not how I've ever seen these people be portray- like portrayed. They always were like, oh, foreigner, I'm going to shoot him or I'm going to attack him or something. And then it was just like, oh yeah, I guess we could help out and work together. Like in the fact that they turned out to be more honorable than some of like other people we hear about. I'm like that really deepened the lore, I think in a great way for them. I 100% agree. Like seeing him sit there with the Tuscan Raiders, I was like, oh, that's cool. And you know what? Oh, that makes sense. He's like a worldly guy. I I understand him like not wanting to, you know, cause an issue or whatever. And that felt very Western in general, like meeting those other people out on the prairie and just sharing beans over a, a campfire type of deal. But then for them to come back and have like a major impact on the plot later, it was such a beautiful use of just like visual storytelling because they set it up with that. It's one shot of him with the the Tuscan Raiders but it it sells everything later. It was so well done. It was I was so impressed with that. I a- I really want to know how the Mando learned Tuscan or whatever. Such a I, big question I assume now. that's their language what it's called Tuscan, but like I really want to know the story as to how he became he must have gotten close to a like group of Tuscan Raiders before and learned their language and their customs. I want to see that story. <laughs> I also liked how their language was a combination of shouts and like sign American language. Sign language? Yeah. yeah, I couldn't think of sign language for some reason. But like the way they did it. But after a while though, when I've noticed the episode, it looked like they were doing the same symbols, but like the same gestures, but with a different voice sound modulation, whatever. And then it seemed like change it. I don't know if that's actually the case, but that's what I got from it. Like they seem to use the same couple of like hand gestures, whatever, you know, like something like that. But because someone said like was scream, and I seem screaming, like talking at a lower level and meant something else. I, I'm, I feel like in the lore wise, it's almost like a way for them to just, make sure what they are saying is coming across as what they are saying. Like, I, I mean, he probably has just a really rough accent in Tuscan, And so using the hand signals probably helps him because I don't think I've ever actually paid attention to or seen Tuscan Raiders. Um, sorry, the cat's trying to get out and it's adorable because he's too fat. Um, I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen, I don't think I've ever seen Tuscan Raiders like 
using that language when talking amongst themselves. But then again, I don't know if we've ever actually seen them talking amongst themselves, except for maybe in episode two, right before Anakin kills them all. Right. But, mm-hmm. He killed all I of don't them. Remember. Even the women. Children too. Mm-hmm. Can't forget those children. He just he just murdered them because he hates sand. Um <laughs> But yeah, I'm really excited for the rest of the season. I'm really looking forward to seeing where the story goes, who they have for the next guest, because they've had such great guests in the past. I really want to see more of Giancarlo Esposito's character and his fucking dark saber. Well, that's the thing you were saying is like any other show, they I feel like they would follow up on the fucking dark saber immediately. And this one is just like, nope, we're not even going to address it. It's whatever yep I'm, I'm excited to see the rest of the season i do know they have announced some of the guest stars and i don't for spoiler sake i don't think we'll go into them don't but tell it's... me i don't know anything about the rest of the season oh you are in for no treats at all it's actually <laughs> going to be quite bad um i so don't you worry i like i for i i think i've talked about this on the podcast before for things that i know i'm going to to watch i try to avoid information about it other than like when it's coming out so i can know when to watch it but like i i try to avoid information because i i want to go in as blind as possible because i'm I'm excited for it so like somebody told me that ahsoka is in it and i i was like god damn it why did you have to tell me that but that's the big thing i was still i still don't know who it is so what I'm, could the person playing them is? Yeah, so I'm I'm glad that I don't know that. Um, I feel like I get ruined by headlines like that. But see, I course. I like that I don't I don't frequent a lot of people places that have headlines. Uh, I mostly just look at memes that Brian sends me <laughs> at this point. Those so, memes are pretty awesome. Yeah, I have to say though, I I've noticed that I've become the exact opposite of what you do. If I'm excited about something. I don't care if I get semi-spoiled about it anymore. I I rather try to know like some of the stuff that I can catch. So for some of them, like I always like to see for like what's happening next week. I like the old teasers they used to do, like oh. at the end of TV shows, where they're like, "Here's what's happening next week," or something like that. But I always kind of seek those out for certain shows I'm really excited about because it helped hold me over. Because I'm not. I can depending on the show like I didn't used to be the biggest binger even though when you could and I've only started more recently to become binging partly because of COVID because I'm stuck at home what else am I gonna do type of thing but most of the time I could watch maybe two episodes if it was like a drama or an hour long or four if it was and then I have to do something else or watch another show like I couldn't always sit there and watch something back to back to back so I think I, it came from there. Uh, there's like, I feel like this is relatively recently. There was like this study that was showing, said something along the lines with like with spoilers that if you are spoiled with something, it doesn't actually diminish your enjoyment of it. Mm-hmm. It just, I think it just alters the way you're viewing it. Um, so it's just a, I think everybody has different approaches. And so whatever mm-hmm. works for you works for you. And what works for me is reading headlines and then being like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not saying that what I do is right. It's just more right than what anyone else does. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Uh, 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 go fuck yourself. Uh, thank you. Thank you. 
Um, do we have anything else that we want to say about the Mandalorian? Mandalorian's really fucking good. Really good. Go watch it. You know I don't what think I, we're gonna. Oh, sorry. No, I I was gonna say uh, what I wanted to say was it, I think we're gonna talk about this every week. Question. Yep. I was just about to say I don't know oh. if we're gonna talk about this every week. So, I don't know if like, we're gonna do every week update. or if we're going to do like a you know a middle of the season then an end of the season or if we're gonna I, do it every week. No, what do people every want? Week, I every like week. the idea of attempting to do it every week and then failing yep. like we always do. Yep. But like I want to see how long we can keep it up. And I like the idea of forcing all of our guests to watch The Mandalorian. <laughs> yes. So I hope that by the time we get to the 10th episode, the guest hasn't watched any of it. So we're like, well, we have to watch 10 hours worth of TV now. Yeah. Yeah. You have, 20, to get maybe. Disney, you have to get Disney Plus and watch the entire second season of Mandalorian. And they're like, well, I haven't watched the first season. And then we'll be like, well, you're uninvited from the podcast. <laughs> It's a really good point, actually. All our guests will have to commit to watching The Mandalorian. They, they don't have to. We can... Yes, they do. You should. It's fucking good. Go okay. watch The Mandalorian. I don't care if you don't like Star Wars. Go watch it. Tiffany come in with her hot takes, and I agree. So if you want to be on our podcast, watch The Mandalorian, or you're never invited on for yep. at least the next 10 weeks. Yeah, yeah. I like that within that, I'm I'm pretty sure within that, like on this 10th episode, I think we're going to hit, no, it'll be 74, won't it? It won't actually be the 75th episode. I mean, that would be perfect. So we, we got to think about it. Are they going to release an episode the day after Thanksgiving? I assume they will. But if they yeah. don't, if they don't, there's the potential that it could be 11 weeks before then. And then... I haven't looked at the release schedule. Like I said, I don't look at this shit. I, I just kind of i log in and i go is there an episode for me to watch no i guess i'll check next week uh but so how do you think easter bunny eggs hatch and ghosts come out i don't know how to transition into this i could have just asked Corey what he's been up to and he could have just you know said he's been playing a video game but fuck it i want to make this just a, a nonsense so Corey. You, me, and Dwight, not all together, apparently, have been playing a game recently. Would you like to uh would you like to talk about it? Sure. I'm gonna pronounce it wrong, because I always do, but phasmophobia. Nailed it. Got it. Nailed it one. first try. Wow. Got it. Great. Got it in one. Just pack it up. Podcast over. <laughs> Did it. Proud of myself. Um it's it's a game where you can play as uh, you're basically a ghost hunter. You go into a house and a high school and asylum and you try to figure out what ghost is haunting it and some other small objectives. And you can either go by yourself or up to three other friends. Mm -hmm. And it's can be legitimately terrifying sometimes. Uh, like the time I called a ghost, but I didn't have my camera. Yeah, you fucking idiot. Um, I, I love it okay so this game is great and we all got it because it was spooky season and we were like we want to play spooky games because it's October and spooky spook so we had all gotten Friday the 13th but we were like it was hard to get eight people together to play it so we found something for a smaller group for when we were only like four of us 
So Dwight, Kyle, Billy, and I all got Phasmophobia, and we played four-player together. And the game is genuinely terrifying. You're going into this house with uh, equipped with nothing but, like, a flashlight, a thermometer, and you're trying to figure out where this ghost is, um, and then trying to figure out what kind of ghost it is by what kind of interactions you have with it. So there's things like freezing temperatures. Sometimes you can use a UV flashlight to find fingerprints if the ghost is touching things. Um, you can... Uh, what else can you do, guys? There's like a there's like a ghost box where you can like talk oh, yeah. to the ghost, and yep. e- each ghost has different um, patterns and ways that they interact with people. Meaning, mm-hmm. like some ghosts are really shy, so they aren't going to talk to you if you're in there. If there's a group of people inside, whereas some ghosts are not shy and they will, you know, attack you while there is a group of people there. Um, yep. So the like the ghost box is like you you you. This game has actual like voice recognition. Mm-hmm. So as you are talking into your microphone to communicate communicate with your uh, teammates the ghost is listening to you and you can ask it questions you can get like ouija boards that it can interact with um there's also there so there's the uv there's the temperature there's the ghost box there's uh you have this like book that you can put down that the ghost will write in um and there's one other one there's ghost orbs Um, ghost orbs that's right use cameras yeah when you set up cameras so you, you can get video cameras that you can set up to monitor the ghost and when you have the UV det- or the night vision on, you can see like what are called ghost orbs, which is kind of like it tells you that the ghost lives in this room by showing you like orbs that float around. And so you go through all these motions of trying to figure out the information about the ghost. And then you put them into your journal and it, it'll tell you what the kind, what kind of ghost it is. And then you can use that information to also help you solve other objectives so some of the objectives will be like take a photo of the ghost which was the objective that Corey was trying to complete for us but he didn't bring a camera with him so he ended up going in there and screaming the ghost name a bunch which angers the ghost and then it showed up in front of him which is the fucking most terrifying thing that has ever happened to me in a video game when the ghost just appears in front of you in like this low lit room is absolutely terrifying. Or like when you current turn a corner and you just start to hear like ghost noises and you it's a, it's in 3d, it has 3d audio. So you'll hear it and you'll be like, Oh my God, it's behind me. And you turn around and it's there and you're just like, fuck. Um, this game is truly terrifying. And then the other thing is the ghost can go into what's called hunting which is when the ghost tries to murder you because you're you're going to this place and fucking with this ghost. So when the ghost starts hunting, it can hear where you are based off of your footsteps. It can see where you are based off of your flashlight. It can hear you if you talk through your mic. So you have to like be quiet. You have to turn off your flashlight, stand in the dark, and you need to not move. And it is the most nerve-wracking, like, 30 to 60 seconds of your life where you're just like, holy shit, I hope it doesn't come in here and kill me. And when it does kill you, it's terrifying. I have not experienced death yet, and I'm very proud of that. No, you died. I didn't die yet. You you died when you went in there without a flashlight. No, that wasn't me. 
You absolutely died. I think I you're s- thinking of me. I have died multiple times in this game to the point where you and Billy were like, Dwight, just stay in the van. You clearly took pity on me and was like, well, I, he sucks. I, f- I, felt I don't really, want him going in anymore. No, I, I felt bad for you because when, when you die in this game, you lose all of the items that you bring with you. So, like, Billy and I have played a fuck ton of the game. We, like, gr- played it all day on Halloween because we were like, spooky day, spooky game. So, we, we have a bunch of money we have a bunch of equipment and I was just like, okay, I don't want you to continue losing equipment. I just want you to help us finish objectives so we can all get money out of it. And I was just like, we'll put them in the van. And also I've been the man in the van. Like every time I, I want to share that experience. It's actually really fun to just be the man in the van because it's terrifying in a, like an empathetic way where you're just like, holy shit, I just saw it. Oh my God. I don't go that way. Go that way. And you're kind of like helping your teammates succeed in a way that is very satisfying. And there's so much stuff to monitor. I, I really enjoy being men in the van and I, I feel like I should delegate it to other people. So everybody gets that experience. I, I think the the most scary moment for me so far playing this game was still the very first round we played. Because this was before you had even bought the game, Alex. Because I think it was just Billy, me, and Kyle. And we were just like figuring it out. Because I don't think you had even decided to buy it yet at that point. But um, we were just figuring out. like Because we, we, we went into it blind. We like skipped the tutorial. We had no idea what we were doing. And we were just in uh, the farmhouse in like the workshop room. And I was in there by myself. And I... Uh, the light in the the light in the room that I was on in was off, and the light in the hallway was on. And I just turned like around, and as I was turning, I caught the silhouette of the ghost against the hallway light, and it was the scariest moment that I've had in that game so far. Nope. It fucking freaked me out when the ghost just appears. I feel like that, like when it appears in like silhouette like that, I think that's scarier than when it just like boom pops yep. in front of you granted that is creepy as well because like the ghost designs in this game are fucking disgusting some of them like their jaws hanging off they're rotting holding like sickles yep. and cleavers and and i also like the ghost behavior and how it can change based on the ghost type because there's like 10 or 13 different ghost types i hope it's 13 um and like well, there was one that, that we we had laid down a bunch of motion sensors yes, and we were like yeah. none of these motion sensors are going off why are none of like we don't know where the ghost is it was attacking us constantly but we did not see it moving around with their motion sensors and then finally we saw it like on a I, camera yeah. yeah alex did i saw and, it and, on a video camera and i was like it's literally it was just like a torso mostly with like a little bit of like bottom half but it was mostly just a torso that was only crawling on the ground and it was i I caught it on the camera very quickly and i was just like holy shit that's why we haven't seen it and that to me was super cool and billy and i found out later that poltergeists float they don't touch the ground so if you put it too low it won't capture poltergeist movement so like there's fun strategy once you start to get information about what kind of ghost you have and you start narrowing it down you can go like okay well since poltergeist is out of the mix we can put all of our motion sensors low because that should pick up everything else and it's it's a fun it's a fun little like puzzle solving game that is also just like shit your pants inducing which i have really enjoyed but like 
the first time I played the game, I had nightmares the night. Like we played until like 11 o'clock and I was like, I have to go to bed. I have to wake up early in the morning. Then I had a nightmare and I was like, I'm not playing that game right before bed again. <laughs> the, um, the other thing about this that is it hasn't gotten less scary the more we've figured out the mechanics, yep. um, which I think is a testament to just the atmosphere and the um, how the game like functions itself. There was one point where we were playing and like I accidentally like dropped my my flashlight because I pushed the the drop button, and so I was like running through a school completely blind and i was just like oh fuck i don't know where it is but i can hear it i can hear it oh my god what's going on and like then it would like go into like a hunt mode and like i would have to like hide in like a classroom and then like i went out the back and i couldn't get around the the school and oh jesus christ it's so well designed and it's only designed by one person that's the impressive thing is one person made this game i couldn't believe it when you sent that article i think you shared it with me and maybe Corey. Um, and you shared that article with me and I was like, this was literally made by one person that, that is, that blows my mind. That is amazing. That's one person programmed this game and put so much detail and like care into making sure that it functioned in such a, like, uh, an elaborate and satisfying way where every game feels different and unique and satisfying. That's for the limited time I've played it. It it is impressive how it doesn't feel like the same complete thing every time. At least the ghost part feels different, and that's the main reason to play the game is when you're trying to hunt this ghost. And I like that it doesn't feel like it's the same thing. Or after a while, it gets super repetitive. It, it doesn't feel that way at all. And that's even more impressive that it's by one person. It's not so much repetitive as it is you become more efficient where right. it's like, cause like when I showed up after you and Billy had played for like a thousand hours and I showed up and you guys were like, okay, this is how we do it now. This is how, what's the name of our ghost company? Our ghost uh, company? I forget what it was. It's not ghost a, kickers. Ghost, a ghost company. Did you make this up or is this like, we had game? a, we, we had a name for what we were, um, what did I, I, I it was came like up the with a Holy name. Spirit or something like that. Holy Spirit Eaters or Holy. It, yeah. The Holy Spirit Eaters or something stupid like that. Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit hunters. hunters. Something like that. But so like, because what the, the premise is you're a group of ghost hunters. And so you're like going out in a van. And um, so I, when I had rejoined up with you guys, you were like, okay, this is how we have found to be the most efficient is like, everybody grabs a camera. Everybody grabs a different tool. We all go in and we, um, like try to like start searching different rooms. Yeah. My and so that that's a lot of fun, like figuring out like the most efficient way because you only have in excuse me, in amateur mode, which is the easiest, you only have five minutes before the ghost starts attacking you. And you move slow in this yep. game. You like it so it takes like two minutes to even like get into the house and like start searching a room. Um so in on amateur it is only two minutes and on no, expert on, or sorry on intermediate, intermediate. Sorry, thank you. That's what I meant to say. On intermediate, it's two minutes. And on expert, it's zero before the ghost can start hunting and killing you. So that's nuts. The only not issue that I have with this is uh, I hope they do implement a way for you to either like capture, contain, or like defeat the ghost. Because as of right now, I think that was part of our issue when we when uh, like we first started playing it. That first night when all four of us were like just figuring it out, we were just like, 
how do we get rid of this ghost? And we didn't realize that the game was about just completing the objectives on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, so like taking a picture, figuring out what type of ghost it is, et cetera. They, they change obviously every match, but like we were like, okay, we're going to use the salt and we're going to try and get rid of it or trap it. And like, that's just not something you can do yet. So it, it almost feels like at the end of every, every hunt, it almost feels a little anticlimactic to me. Cause it's just like, Oh, we figured it out we'll leave like i wish there was like one last objective or one like extraordinarily hard objective some of them do get hard where it's like take a picture of the ghost like that is like weirdly nerve-wracking because you're like well i have to make it show up as apparently Corey can testify um it's just it can get intense i was gonna say when i was summoning the ghost i wasn't actually scared of the ghost coming mainly because i was naive and i wasn't sure of what i was expecting but it appeared, but it appeared like halfway around the door and I saw it and I'm like, nope, I'm out. Bye. See ya. And then I remember Alex and them asking me, did you get a picture? I'm like, wait, I was supposed to get a picture. Yeah. It's like, it's like Corey was, Corey was in there. Like, so here, let me paint you a picture. Justin was very gung ho. I was like, let's go. We only have one objective left. It's capture the photo usually billy and i if we've been in a game long enough and that's the last objective we just leave because it's such a hard objective to complete especially with certain ghost types so we were just like let's leave call cut our losses like take our money and move on and justin was like no i want to get a picture of this ghost it was like his second game so i i love like the the clashing personalities it really makes this game that much more enjoyable yeah we're fucking doing getting a picture of this ghost so it's almost like role-playing yeah so justin goes in with a camera and is just screaming at the ghost and i'm in the car uh billy and i called ourselves the babysitters club because we would monitor Corey and and justin from the car and make sure that they were still alive and Justin's hanging out in the room, screaming at the ghost, trying to get it to show up so he can get a photo of it. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Justin's sanity drops down to close to zero. And I'm like, Justin, you need to come out of there. Because when your sanity gets low in the game, that means the ghost is more likely to hunt. And we didn't want the ghost to hunt. We just wanted to appear so we could get a photo of it. There's a difference because hunting, it'll appear, but it'll kill you. So... I was like, Justin, you need to come out. So Justin comes out and Corey goes, I'll go in. So we're like, okay, Corey has to know like what's going on. We've been trying to get a photo of the ghost for like a couple minutes now. So Corey goes in, starts yelling the ghost's name. And the ghost is like, he's the ghost shows up. He's like, oh, oh God, oh God. You know, the usual sound that we get when somebody sees the ghost and he just starts running out. And we're like, did you get a photo of it? And he's like, I was supposed to take a photo of it. And we were like, what the fuck do you think you were doing in there? And then Corey to, got back to the band and we left. We, I just immediately hit the button. To be fair, one of the objectives is witness a ghost event. Yep. So that's fine. That's true. That's a really easy objective to get. You get that one by accident, I think, by just playing the game. Yeah, it's just like some ghosts will like flicker lights. Some will close doors. Some will like throw items. That's witnessing a ghost event. Um, but it's, it's a really fun game. I, I was kind of on the fence about buying it. And then I said, I did the same thing that I did with Friday the 13th. I was like, if three of you get the game, I will buy it. And Dwight, uh, Kyle and Billy all got it. And I was like, okay, I said, I'd get it. I 
paid the $15 and I do not regret it one bit. I, in fact, I was like, man, Billy and I are having so much trouble getting four people together because like we would get Dwight one night, we'd get Kyle another night. It was like, it was hard to get four. And then Justin bought it. And I was like, oh, Justin has it. You know what? Corey's birthday's coming up. I'll gift it to him. Now we can always have four people together pretty much whenever we want to play. And if all six of us show up, we can do a group of four and a group of two or two groups of three. Like it even, it, it, the game is satisfying no matter how many people you have. Um, I've never played solo. I don't know how much I'd enjoy it, but I love two player, three player and four player. It all feels great. I'm really excited because it's still in early access. This game is like brand spanking new and it's like the popularity of it is exploding right now. So I'm really looking forward to what the developer does. I know he's planning new ghost types, new maps. Um, There's a bunch of like planned content for this down the road. And I'm just super excited to see where this goes. And like I said, hopefully some of these other um, ideas that we're talking about here get implemented. I would love for this to be expanded, like come up with like a fucking massive map that can handle like six people mm-hmm. or like eight people. Like I would absolutely love that. Maybe like even like big maps like that has like two ghosts in it or something like that. Like that would just be insane and so much fun. And this is a game, Tiffany, that I think you would, you would kind of mentioned that maybe you'd be interested in playing this. I like, <sighs> I don't like ghosts, but I like the idea of ghost hunting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds kind of fun. I just, I, I don't know. I don't do games. I think playing with other people would stress me out and it would just be people yelling at me because I don't know how to do stuff. And I, I just would rather not. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't yell at you for not knowing how to do stuff. I do that to Corey because that's our relationship. Um, so true. But like, I think it would definitely it's an easy game to learn and it's an easy game to like cooperate in it's very it it has a very low skills uh low low entry low barrier of entry high low, skill ceiling yeah. thank you low barrier of entry high skill ceiling <laughs> thank you dwight knew exactly what i was trying to say and it's really like like even when cory got it the first time he came in for the first game and he picked up on it pretty quickly on what to do and yeah he made silly mistakes like not bringing a camera when we wanted a photo of the ghost but like that's gonna happen it's it's obviously gonna happen um it's hard to juggle so much information because it's like oh we got fingerprints and and freezing temperatures so and then someone will go into their journal and be like here are the things that we're looking for and sometimes you you don't hear that because you're focused on the ringing telephone just magically ringing next to you or you're focused on like listening to a door slamming you know that radio that just turned on and is static screaming at you yep so every once in a while you'll miss like communications from your your teammates and it's it's a a fun game not just in terms of the mechanics of the game but how it forces you to work as a team I feel like I couldn't play, like, I know everybody tries to get me to play games. I can't play games with Dwight. (laughs) I I can't do it. I can't do it. I just can't. I can't. I love you. I love you so much. I'm, I'm. I don't believe that. I I like Dwight's Dwight's look of disbelief. You love me. I just know 
like, thank you for the offer. I just know that that will end in tears. It will end in me quitting and never, like, I just, I'm at the point where, like, I want to try things, but, like, my anxiety around it, one, because, like, I suck at games, and I, like, my anxiety is, like, I'm going to bring everybody down, and I'm not going to have fun, and then, two, like, I know Dwight and I will duke it out, (laughs) and I just, I, it stresses me out thinking about that. Here is here is my offer that you can take or leave. You can play with me and Billy and not Dwight, and it'll be so laid back and chill, and we'll have a lot of fun. But like I said, you can take it or leave it. I the offer is always on the table. Billy and I would love to play a game with you. I know we've we've actually talked about it before, like how we want to play anything with you and. He's like, yeah, I get to play Animal Crossing with her sometimes, but. It gives me anxiety. It really does. Like, even just talking about it, it's stressing me out. Okay. So you probably will never play a game with me ever. Okay. I just, it's not, that's not fun for me. I feel like I'm going to do terrible and imposter syndrome and all that whole everything. It's just not, I like playing my games by myself. That's I know that sounds really terrible, but. I mean, I get- that way sometimes with multiplayer games but it depends on the genre like this one not so much but like like with overwatch when i got that for computer and i went on with them i was like i'm gonna bring everyone down let's hope it's not too terrible yeah i and i just i just don't i'd rather just not put myself in that position i know that's like so shitty because like oh you're gonna try new things but like i know myself and I know I would enjoy it, but at the same time, it's like, I'd, if I can't play it by myself, I probably don't want to do it. <laughs> I, I completely understand that mindset. Um, the thing with this game, though, is there's literally no stakes. It's like, if you I die, know. meh. If you, if you, it's not like like in a like an Overwatch situation where it's like, oh, we've lost. Like the other, this other, yeah. these other people are like beating us and, and like embarrassing us type of deal. But this one, it's like, even if you die, it's like not that debilitating because you get like your money me a lot of your money back and blah, blah blah and like at the same time like like i was saying with before there's really like no objective outside of like figuring out what the ghost is so it's really just like yeah. a 3d puzzle game until um somebody dies and what then it's doesn't super matter because everyone else is there I'm, i haven't yeah. seen have we had a full wipe yet i don't know what um, happens when everybody B- wipes billy and i did that once um when when it when it was the two of us Billy died and I was in the van and I had this struggle where I was like, man, I should go in and get a photo of your body for insurance because that's how you get your money back if you die. And I was like, I should go in and get a photo of your body. But we had a super aggressive ghost. And I was like, I'll probably die if I go back in there or at least it'll start hunting. So I waited for Billy's ghost to get back to the van to monitor the cameras and everything so he could give me information that's the great thing about becoming a ghost you can still like help the group which i love i don't think you can i we can because we're in discord but i think if you're playing by the game's internal rules i don't know if the ghost can still communicate because Uh, like we we play when we're on discord whereas like uh, if you're playing with the game's internal audio i'm not sure if the ghost can talk to the team once it dies um i i I might be wrong i know that you can only talk to your team with V is local chat and B is broadcast to like everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I have never tried that when I was a, uh, cause, cause once again, we're in discord, but yep. I, 
much prefer to play it the way that we do. <laughs> um, because but anyways, you went. Uh, Billy was monitoring. Well, oh yeah, so he was monitoring it, and I went in, and like once I got to his body and took the picture, it started hunting, and it found me pretty quickly and killed me, and we wiped him just brings us back we get no money we lost all of our items and it was just like start over and we were like cool um it, it like it really didn't hurt that bad i i kind of kicked myself because i was just like i should have just left but at the same time I, it's still fun like i've never left a game unsatisfied um it there have been games where like we get a super shy ghost where i'm just like i have no idea how to figure out what this ghost is because they're not doing literally any of the six things that they can do like i'm not even sure this place is haunted honestly and i've gotten that like twice billy and i got it twice in a row i can't remember if anyone was playing with us we got it twice in a row with two shy ghosts i played with you once with a shy ghost and we were just like very shy what the fuck um but like i said the game's really fun like like you said dwight low low entry barrier it's really like you can just boot it up and play which i love especially if you have someone else there who knows what they're doing and they can like walk you through because there are so many times where i'm like how do i fucking pick something up or drop something and it's just like you guys tell me about how to pick up tripods with yep. like you can't pick up a tripod if you're already already have something in your hand and that was fucking frustrating the shit out of me. Yep. Oh, it made me so mad. Yep. It's it's a lot of fun. I've been enjoying playing it with all of my friends uh and I look forward to the updates that they have coming. Like uh they've talked about a prison map and uh an apartment building map and they they mentioned another map, I think. I can't remember what it was. A pirate ship. A pirate oh, ship? Really? No, That I would wish. be pretty cool. Oh, that would be so good. Um, <laughs> but they mentioned another map that I can't remember what it was. But I'm I'm on board. And then adding more ghosts could uh, has potential for adding more mechanics, like how you can interact with the ghosts, yep. which could be cool. Like, what if there's like an ectoplasm test or something that they're adding that... There is a test that I don't think we've done. If you bring in the salt and you put it down, ghosts can leave footprints in it. Right. So the the salt is mostly for like wraith or something. I can't remember. There's one ghost that has a very specific reaction to salt in a negative way. But yes. Can I ask a question? Of course. Um, The ghosty stuff, is it based in like actual ghost lore? Like how you were talking earlier about like poltergeists and things like that. Like, does it actually like how they operate in the game and how you find them? Does it relate to like how actual I say I, actual, if you believe in ghosts or not, like <laughs> I believe in ghosts. So like I, for me, I'm like, how is that? Does that actually translate? I'm not sure. Um, okay. I, so there are like, let's just say there's 10 ghost types. Um, there's a lot that are actually like, culturally from like other countries like there's an oni there's a jin there's a a yurai there's so there's a bunch of like japanese and other culture inspired um ghosts which so i don't know if they behave in a specific way i know there are some that are more aggressive there are some that are less aggressive and like there's some that like wraiths like I don't know the the salt and stuff like that. Like so, I I feel like a salt circle and there's like holy crosses and things like that that are you know like they're 
traditionally um, used in like exorcisms and stuff like that. I do believe that a lot of this is somewhat accurate. Um, there's actually this one person that I've watched occasionally on YouTube. He does like some video game content, but on the side, he also is really into ghost hunting. And cool. I- I've watched a couple of his stuff. And one of the things that he uses is that the, um, uh, not an EKG meter or whatever. An EMF. EMF. He he uses an EMF electromagnetic field or whatever, and yep. like it's literally the one that is in the game. Yep. Um. So it's just so those things that they use, I believe, are one to one. Um. Which is kind of neat that you know it's somewhat accurate to the real world and what actual ghost hunters do. Also, phasmophobia so. means fear of ghosts. Yeah. I did just look that up. I was just looking up to see if I could find. It. I was just curious, like if it's that would that would interest me more if it were like. I was actually doing things that were accurate. (laughs) It definitely, to me, it gives the air of accuracy in like coming from a science background. I feel like there's a science to ghost hunting, whether you believe in Mm -hmm. what's going on or not, there's a science to it. So like, that's where my strategy comes from when I play the game. So I'm trying to think as like a scientist or an engineer, what I, what I have a degree in. And I'm trying to apply that thought process. Like, you know, the, the scientific method trying to apply that to what we're doing. And they give you all the tools to be able to do that. And the tools definitely feel um, accurate to at least what I've seen in like, the cheesy like ghost hunter tv shows that i've watched Mm -hmm. and stuff like that like i've seen all these tools on those shows and that's why like i say it gives the air of um, like accuracy because i've definitely seen all this stuff before and i've seen it all applied to ghost hunting so i think um it's great my point of view is I like cameras and I'm a big camera boy. So I just want to get cool pictures and I want to see that ghost on video. So I don't give a fuck about the scientific method. Fahrenheit for days, baby. Fuck you. Get out of here, fuck, Celsius. Fuck all you bitches and your stupid Fahrenheit. I hate when you guys are walking around and you have your thermometers and you're like, I've only gotten it to go down to 40. And I'm like, 40 C? What are you talking about? No, I have mine in Fahrenheit. You get the fuck out of here. We're scientists. We work in Celsius. We're ghost hunters. We are not scientists. Corey, We're how do you do it? I, I don't do temperature. I just bring a flashlight and a UV light, and I walk around yelling random things at the ghost. Corey. Not to antagonize, just to ask general questions. Corey, how, general do, you questions? Feel, how do you feel about the, the difference between Celsius and Fahrenheit when it comes to, I don't know, science? Cheapy no, Celsius. when it comes to... When it comes to ghost hunting, which is Celsius. a pseudoscience. God yeah, damn. Yeah, yeah, Pseudo or not, Celsius. Yeah, pseudo or not, it's still a science, and it should be in Celsius. If it wants to even pretend to be a science, it should be in Celsius. The thing defaulted to Celsius for me, so damn. that's how I knew that that's what it was supposed to be. I had to go in and change. I just assumed it was made by someone from a different country. So. No, you, you go shot. fuck yourself. If Billy changes, I will change. Until then, no no dice. That is my strong opinion on uh, phasmophobia. So big thumbs up from the Absolutely. no. This gets the no refund stamp of approval. That's yeah, a new in, thing. Put in a cooler sound effect than what he just did. No, that's <laughs> it. That's it. We're, that's it going forward.
smash. That's it. That's it right there. Just Corey, <laughs> Corey saying smash. Saying smash. <laughs> this gets no refunds. Smash. Of approval. Seal of approval. I love it. <sighs> so there was a couple other things that Corey had on his list. I don't know. Alex, did you want to go over them? Um, I want to know what Tiffany wants to talk about. That's a good question. Tiffany, what do you want to talk about, Baby Yoda? Oh, Baby Yoda. Oh, Baby hi, Yoda. Oh, it's a Spencer. A wild Spencer. I, I honestly, a few minutes before we started recording, I was like, Dwight, what are we talking about? Because I have nothing to say. Okay. I'm just, I'm just filled with election day dread mm. and work dread and COVID dread and just general dread about everything. General I, dread? <laughs> I feel the same way. I, I was a little hyped up this morning so when i was texting alex about what i could talk about i was like is this enough is this too much because i'm like i'm freaking about other things so i just added yeah. that like my mind's like okay let's freak about this out about this podcast today as well and make sure we're not terrible my mind is empty it was, i'm trying uh, to keep it as empty as possible it's just it's very difficult to to get on the election dread bandwagon like i <laughs> I woke up like three times in the middle of the night to check election results. And I was just like, okay, cool. Go back to bed. Wake up three hours later. Okay, cool. Go back to bed. And then when I got to school, I was like, great. I'm at school. I have a distraction (laughs) for eight hours. Don't have to think about the election. And they had no classes for me today. Oh, no. They had had no no classes. So I go in and the lady that I go see every morning and is like, Oh, I don't have any classes for you today, but I think they might have something for you third block. So they sent me down to a different department and I talked to them and they were like, yeah, we can put you in this class third block. And I got there and there were two teaching assistants there that handled the class. So I was just there for nothing. So I still didn't have anything. I was like, man, third block. I got this. And then I didn't have anything. Then they, found me at the end of third block like 20 minutes left and they go we have something for you for fourth block so for like an hour and 15 minutes out of my day i didn't think about the election and then that ended i got home watched the mandalorian then i went to the play with dwight dwight and i saw play together which was easily the most satisfying part of my day because i was absolutely not thinking about the election And then the play ended. We got into the parking lot. I opened my phone. I saw that Michigan had been declared for for Biden. And I went, holy fuck, I feel really good right now. And I haven't thought about it since. I've just been like, podcast, let's go. I feel pretty good right now. Things are are looking up. Yeah, it's not not over, but I I feel a lot better than I did when I woke up this morning. I was saying, I haven't had a chance to really have dread about this because I've known in my head that it was never going to be declared the night of, or even the next day. So like, I have not let myself slip into, I've been watching it, but at no point have I like been, Oh shit, this looks bad. Um, maybe, maybe like once I was like, fuck, I don't know. I think when Pennsylvania started going the other way, I was like, Oh no, absolutely. Um, I forced myself to, to go to sleep last night i fell asleep i tried to watch borat 2 again because the first time we watched borat 2 i was 
drunk out of my mind. So then I tried to watch it again last night and I fell asleep. And then I was like, I woke up and I was like, don't look at your phone, go right into your bed. And I forced myself to go to sleep until seven o'clock this morning. I was like, you stay asleep. You do not get out of your bed. You do not look at your phone. You do not do it. Don't do it. Uh, I know you just said that you were super drunk when you tried to watch Borat 2. Have you guys actually watched Borat 2? I, have. I haven't finished Tiffany it. <laughs> I fall, oh, okay. I've, I've blacked out and fallen asleep during it. Because I, I just realized <laughs> I've watched that. Like that, that could be something we talk about because Corey's watched, watched it. it. I've watched it. But Tiffany hasn't watched it. And I I've want... watched I've watched enough of it. Okay. I, it's not very good. Okay. I'm glad I'm <laughs> glad we share an opinion. Um if if <laughs> I, you guys actually want to talk about this, I can I can set it up, but do you want to talk about I mean how long yeah. have we been going? We could do uh, a pre- yeah. We have an hour and fifty three and ten minutes of that was was pre banter. So we, we could we could we, do like twenty minutes on it. Can yeah, we do a quick Borat? Let's do a quick <laughs> yeah. Borat. So Very nice. Uh, <laughs> done that's all you need to How say much? right <laughs> oh my, my wife uh, great success okay that's tur- like i get that out of my system <laughs> turgid um so did you just give me a look like why, why did he just say turgid that's how he refers to uh people getting erections he says they get turgid oh i don't think i noticed oh he says that. it like three or four times in the movie um so as some of you may know a uh sequel to the smash hit borat that came out in 2006 2005 i want to say seven because we were definitely in college and tiffany was at uh 2006 2006. Okay. okay i was right the first time so the original borat came out in 2006 um Sasha Baron Cohen movie really wowed the world um, in terms of like the Ali G show was a thing that some people knew, but like he wasn't a household name. The Ali G show is amazing, by the way, weird mm-hmm. tangent, but Borat like kind of broke Sasha Baron Cohen into the main sphere of like Hollywood A-listers to a certain degree. Um, and then he had Bruno a couple of years later. I want to say that was 2008, 2009. It was when I worked at the movie theater. So that sounds right. And then he had the dictator in like 2011, 2012. I'm sorry if my years are off. <laughs> and then this year he had Borat subsequent movie film, <laughs> which is the sequel to the uh, Borat you know, 14 years later. And this is uh, about Borat coming back to America to gift a monkey to <laughs> Mike Pence. That Michael is the, Penis. That is the plot <laughs> of the movie. Borat is being released from Kazakhstan jail to gift the, the goulash to gift a monkey to mike pence plot of movie um i i really was excited for this movie because i love the original borat i think yep. sasha baron cohen to a certain degree is a comedic genius um i was left wanting with this one but uh mm-hmm. 
I can let uh, someone else talk. Honestly, I think what you said there is the reason for me not enjoying this movie as much as the first one because I think this movie is is very good. Um, what he does and like the like knowing some of the behind the scenes stuff, like the danger that he put himself in, mm-hmm. is legitimately um, nerve wracking. Watching this and like knowing those behind the scenes stuff. However, the fact that they structured this around such a definitive plot. And I feel like a lot of this movie was focused on jokes revolving around that plot was very far removed from what I personally enjoy about the Borat character. Um, So like in the original movie and in the, sorry. No, I just said, we just talked about this today. Oh yeah. Um, So, so I thought you said, wait. So so in the- No, 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 no. We just talked about it. So in the original movie and in the original TV show, like Borat's shtick was being a foreign person in America or Britain or wherever uh, the original show took place. I believe it was Britain. um, And showing the buffoonery of everyday people, like buffoonery, racism, like Mm anti-Semitism, like a a lot of just like the ugliness of everyday people because they feel like their guard is down due to this person being foreign and not understanding what they're saying or him saying things that are terrible and getting the people to agree with him because he's foreign and I can like let my true colors shine through. Um, There's a a scene in the first movie where he gets some like frat boys on like a, like a Winnebago or something like that. And that scene I remember, remember being specifically like holy shit um but there's this movie did not have enough of that a lot of it was him with his daughter who plays a large portion a a large role in the movie mostly i think because people actually actively recognize borat like they know who he is so they need to use this other character to do that type of stuff but a lot of it is dealing with the plot of getting the monkey or getting close to michael pence and other members of the Republican Party that take away from what I personally love about Borat. I mean, it's fantastic that he did what he did. The stuff with Rudy Giuliani is seriously fucked up. Yep. Um, and it's like, holy shit, I can't believe we got this. The stuff with like the, um, the, at the, at the, the gun rally and um, the people that he meets there and the, uh, like, there's just not enough of that for me to say that this is better than the original. I think it has a more clear-cut message than the original, but it's I, I enjoyed the original more, personally. Um, I, I strongly agree with everything you said. One, one of the things that I feel like one of the reasons that I, I like the original more and I feel like Sasha Baron Cohen's comedy isn't necessary in the current uh, atmosphere that we live in is because like you like you touched on his comedy has always been about kind of showing people's true colors and like like bruno was really about being an openly gay person and getting people to show their rampant homophobic behaviors and stuff like that um and like uh borat was kind of more about getting people to show their xenophobia and racism and that sort of thing Whereas now so many people just wear that on their sleeves because of the current political climate that we're in, that it's no longer as shocking to see it. And it's no longer making as much of a statement anymore because we see it every day on the news and in the media that it no longer has the same impact that it had 14 years ago 
which is fucking terrifying. <laughs> yep. That's actually a really great point. I didn't even think about that. Like that whole, that whole, all of that is so quote unquote normalized for lack of a better term. Like yep. those people aren't hiding. They're very out and open about their terrible <laughs> allegiances. Yep. I have to say one of the shocking, well, one of the things I liked was when he took, I'm actually higher on this film than you guys, but I think it's because <laughs> I didn't, haven't, didn't watch it Borat in a while. I feel like if I watched it, I might've been a little mm-hmm. different on it. But one of the scenes I liked is when I forget what society they're like, what, where they're at, but it's him and his daughter and they're trying to, like he's trying to make her so she can be sold off to like a rich like rich white people the debutante and ball the debutante the, ball sorry the yeah. debutante thank you and he asks a guy there how much he would buy like how much would you think my daughter go he goes 500 and and i'm like it blew my mind but my favorite part of that scene was the girl afterwards like i don't know if it was daughter or granddaughter was, goes there and goes what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, she's like, I that's hate you. fucking gross. Yeah, his yeah. daughter turns to him and is like, that's fucking gross. And I think that perfectly encapsulates the difference between our generations of like our, our parents' generation versus like our generation or even a little younger because that was a debutante ball. But uh, that, that, that was definitely one of the scenes that stuck out in my yeah. mind is like, holy shit. And and that one felt very like old Borat. Like, I don't yeah. dislike this movie by any stretch of the imagination. Same. I just am a little down on it. Same. Same. I wanted it there. Like I wanted so much, like Dwight, you've already said this, but like I wanted so much more of those scenes where like it's just Borat being like, what kind of dog is this? And it's like a turtle. Like just like the stupid, like fun. Some of this came across as very like fake and like acted versus like having those real moments if that makes sense like it, it it felt more staged um or like there were things like i know there was some some stuff with the 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 two women in the synagogue i know one of them passed away and they were kind of mad about how they were repre- represented mm-hmm. um but like that scene was like a minute and i'm like what is this this is really cute but i didn't understand like a lot of stuff didn't feel like it fit in. Like they were trying to do a bunch of stuff and it didn't quite flow as well as I kind of wanted it to, um, if that makes sense. I really, speaking to the synagogue scene, I really liked that scene because I, I always liked with like the Ali G show and Mm -hmm. the the original Borat movie and pretty much all of his movies when they insert those like moments of pure goodness Mm -hmm. into the moments of pure like hatred and like show that dichotomy because like he walks in dressed as what he thinks is the perfect representation of a jew (laughs) and these two old jewish ladies are just like very accepting of him and they're just like hey like you understand that what you're doing is wrong and let, let's talk about this like i survived the holocaust it happened mm-hmm. and like yeah they were very and i i i remember seeing uh sasha baron cohen dressed up as some uh other character and had an interview with biden not too long ago and i remember watching that interview and 
Sasha Baron Cohen is saying all these crazy things and Biden's just like, listen, those are some good ideas, but <laughs> I don't know how they would really work. And he's being really nice about it. Yeah. Or not Biden. It was Bernie Sanders. Sorry. And he's like, I don't understand. Like, I, I hear what you're saying and you have good ideas, but I don't understand how we can implement those. And he's mm-hmm. being very, very nice about it. And it's like really crazy to see the opposite end of that spectrum where like people are just screaming at him and like just being xenophobic and stuff and i think that's where the the point of his comedy really comes Mm -hmm. through and i wanted to see more of that Um, i was just gonna say they either like they need to do more of that or make that scene longer because i agree it was a really like nice moment and it was just over and i'm like well I feel like these women had so much more to say about it. And yeah. you just were like, and we're on to the next thing. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, some insider baseball, I guess, because I've heard about it, is that he knew there were people in, in there, but when he went in, he did not realize one of them was actually a survivor of the Holocaust. Yep. So afterwards, he like, after they thought they got enough for the movie, he stopped and literally said, hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm explaining. This. And supposedly he interviewed that woman. I don't know for how long, oh. but he's trying to get Amazon to release it. Oh, oh that's awesome. Because like you said, people got mad about that scene. Yeah. And then that's where this other thing came out and goes, well, we, we did tell her and we did interview her after and now I'm trying to get it to got it. show it. Oh, wow. That's really cool. I know, I know it wasn't, I, I for, forget what the article it said, who got mad about it, but they were like, oh, we don't like the way it was represented. And then I had heard something like that, 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 they they were in on it and they knew like after the fact they knew and they gave their permission to be in it so i was like curious what that disconnect was but it sounds like they figured it out just not on amazon's end they're speaking of behind the scenes or just um additional clips there have been some like deleted scenes and some additional stuff that's been released based on this specifically going to the part where he was at the gun rally and like singing the song um they've shown wait is the that stuff... from you talking about the first movie no 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 from the from this last one it, was that a gun, gun rally or was that like wasn't it just like a it was just a rally it was a rally just, demonstration it was, it was like it was, an anti-covid rally yeah uh, it wasn't sure. a gun rally right. it was, that's, that's what I, it was but it had a, bun, a bunch of pro-gun people there right obviously but um so as he was like somebody i think they either figured out who it was or they eventually like super turned on him which you see in the movie but what you don't see in the movie afterwards is they like followed him back to his van and like were like pounding on the door to like get in and sasha Mm -hmm. barrett cohen like broke character he was like okay we need to leave we need to get out of here now and like they tried like pulling the door open they were like screaming at him to get out and it was just like this moment where you're like I can understand why he would fear for his life during the making of this movie. There's been a bunch of stuff like that that's come out that's like almost more shocking and more ugly than what was actually in the movie, which is crazy. That's the sort of stuff I would like to see in the movie. I like. I remember um, going off on a weird tangent, but like Top Gear did an episode, one of their specials, the Patagonia special. They the whole shtick was they were going down to um patagonia to uh mend a an issue that they had because they had a the falkland war happened between them and britain like a years ago and it was about that and 
they the people of patagonia felt like they were being mocked by top gear and mm -hmm. not actually like respected and they drove them out of the country they like attacked them they pelted their vehicles with like huge rocks like and i loved seeing that footage because it's raw and it's real and it adds to the story in such a unique and telling way some of the stuff with borat and like if you go to the the second one in the beginning and people like spotting him on the street and stuff i just think of like it's very it's always sunny in philadelphia fan base where like borat the people that i think sometimes like the borat comedy or notice him are the people that borat's making fun of mm -hmm. like they're not in on like they're they're missing the point of it kind of i know that's not the whole thing but i i, I feel like it's one of those disconnect things which makes it even more funny to me that like oh god like you're, how <laughs> you're definitely right and and it kind of goes back to what we did at the beginning of this segment where like when you people say borat it's always the my wife yeah and, and very nice the, very nice is this cat and hat it's always like his soundbite yep. catchphrases yeah. which yep. is is funny like not like that type of stuff yep. but the the core of what he is is like exposing and yeah. uh like revelations shocking that are shocking type of thing sometimes it kind of blows my mind when like people clearly had to agree to have their faces shown in this movie mm -hmm. yep. because people have to sign waivers after they've been filmed in something like this and yep. it blows my mind or it it makes me think like what how did this person think they were being represented that they were like yep. yes it's okay for you to show me saying very offensive yep. things in this movie like the two guys that he quarantines with i was just like those guys signed off on yeah. all of that stuff being used and that seems crazy to me yeah the the thing about that <laughs> is he apparently was with them for 3 whole days and Whoa. he he did not break character. He he said that that was like the hardest part of the shoot because like you think about that like you're going to bed as Borat, you have to wake up as Borat. He is 72 hours with wow. these people as his character. That has to be fucking taxing. Wow. And so I I think that also going to like these people like signing away. I'm not sure if they're as upfront with what yeah. it, the final product is going to be used for. I think they say they're making a documentary for a foreign country. And yep. they're, so they're not saying like, you're going to be in Borat too. It's right. they, they always kind of guise it in hide it in a different way. And I know that some people like the woman um, who babysits his daughter at a certain point, like she came out and was like a little bit upset about it because not that she was portrayed poorly in the, in the movie right. but she was I like loved her. i'm in borat too i was paid three thousand dollars for one day they told me they were doing a documentary on babysitting stuff so like sasha barrett cohen has since turned around and donated like a hundred thousand dollars to i think uh, her church or something like right. that so like they're doing they're finding ways to like make amends but i can see people even who are represented in a positive light being a little yeah. bit burned and upset by the techniques that the filmmakers were using to yep. dupe them into being into the movie i <sighs> I have a hard time with that because like on one hand I I can totally understand that <sighs> I don't know maybe I uh now I'd be pissed off too I was trying to like play devil's advocate on that but I I would be pissed off too and maybe it's just <sighs> I don't know 
No, nope. I don't. Never mind. I take it back. I'd be I, upset. I don't see any way that somebody could represent me negatively in a film because I'm the perfect human being. So, um, I, if anybody wants to film me, go right ahead. Done. I just think I just think all of that's so crazy. Just that putting your life at risk for this stuff, like it's really wild to me. And your whole crew. Like, I mean, I'm sure that's not a big crew, obviously, but like you have, you know, a few camera people and an audio person and, you know, you're putting those people at risk too. Like, I appreciate it. Just, just like the scene with Rulu Giannoli, like <laughs> the only reason she agreed to do that is because she trusted the crew not to let mm-hmm. things go crazy. Yeah. yeah. And that, they almost did. <laughs> that, that, I feel, that that's scene. the part, that's the part where, I blacked out for real the first time and then I fell asleep. So I still haven't seen that part yet. Cause I, God damn it. That part really, that part really got me. I was just like, Holy shit, this is happening. I cannot believe what I'm looking at. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was the most Borat scene to me where I was just like, this is, this is what he's trying to do. This is what he wants to say it's like this is this is real see it this is in my movie and i feel like that was one of those moments where i was just like this feels like borat uh i also think speaking of that that scene i think that the actress that they got for his daughter was so good i think that she was able to keep up with with sasha barra cohen she was like on par with him in terms of like her timing and what she could get people to say and do as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very reticent going into this movie. Like anytime they add like that, it almost feels like um, what is it? Cousin Olivering it type of deal. Yep. You know, like in the Brady bunch, when they bring in that additional person, um, it, it felt like that where it was like, Oh fuck, they really have to try this or they're doing this. Um, but she was fantastic and some of the best sequences in the movie were her stuff specifically the debutante ball and like i that portion and the all the rudy giuliani stuff i actually love her going into like the hotel with the the republican women and she's talking about like masturbating like she goes in the bathroom and like masturbates and then like comes out and she's like i've touched my vagine everyone someone call her an uber this is so great (laughs) like that was that was another one of those moments where i was like i want more i want i want 50 minutes of just just her being just like this to these horrible awful like women who are just like yeah sorry i feel i i'm trying to like tiptoe around the subject and like not call all these people terrible but they're all terrible people like sorry (laughs) they're all terrible i think that's what you're supposed to take away from the movie in general that that people are terrible but not not that all people are terrible just that people are terrible people are terrible and close-minded and i hate them what but but (laughs) but the four of us are amazing and on we're perfect all four of us are perfect and nobody can find any flaws with us. Nope. I've included that, that except for night. except for spelling. Right, right. Yeah, one, yeah, one person yeah. here really can't spell. That's Dwight good. also can't spell. So <laughs> okay, two people here really can spell. Yeah, I'm pretty mm. good. That's that's the positive way to look at it. <laughs> yes, glass half uh, full. So final thoughts on Borat? Very nice. Nice. 
Not great no, job. <laughs> Not. I give it. A, I give it a thumbs up. I think it's very good. Uh, it's very funny. What it does say is very relevant. I think it's pretty biting at times. I just like it's such a stupid thing to say. Like it wasn't as good as the first one to me, but it it wasn't necessarily what I was looking for in a Borat movie. Absolutely. But it was still a very good um, scathing yes. <laughs> reflection of our modern society. Preach. I I just probably wouldn't go back and watch it again, but I would go back and watch the first one. Yeah. I I do not see myself ever rewatching this movie unless it's like 15 years from now and we're in a better place and I just <laughs> I want to remember that we're in a better place by reminding myself of where we were. I honestly think that was the whole point of this movie. I think they were like just from like the whole release cycle and and shooting it on the download. Like they like this is not supposed to be a movie that makes a ton of money or gets a ton of notoriety. It's just like we're making this as a social commentary. Right, and it's to capture the time that we live in now. So so that hopefully when we're when the world gets better, uh, I'm fingers crossed, uh, we can look back on this and laugh. Yeah, I hope so. Uh-huh. Huh. Corey, do you recommend Borat too? I do. I give oh, it we're g- thumbs up. Can we? Can we? <laughs> does it get the? Does it get the no refunds seal stab. of approval? <laughs> Did you stab. say stab? I said stop. The first. I... Okay. So last time you said smash. I want to make it clear. No. The first time you said smash. The no refunds. <laughs> Stab of approval. <laughs> the no refund smash of approval or the no refund stab of approval. We got them both here. Also, can I say it's very dangerous that we left Corey's? We have empty space. I do. Empty space. All of the things we could edit Corey responding to, they're endless. Yeah, like. Um, I love this. We have what, this audio. What's stopping you from owning a sloth? I do. <laughs> Corey, do you uh, how do you like your sloppy joes extra sloppy? I do. Corey, will you marry me? I do. I do. <laughs> okay. This well, this is great. Speaking of Corey, Corey, thank you so much for uh, coming on this episode. I hope you had a good time. I know I had a good time with I you being with here. Nice. That's fantastic. You enjoyed this time. Um, we thank you very much for coming on. Uh, and next time you come on, you can tell us about. Uh, all the things that we didn't get to, like we said, we weren't going to. Uh, you've been watching documentaries. That sounds really cool. Uh, we never we talked about hit... Borat. What more do you wait, want? Wait, hold on. Are they soccer oh. documentaries? <laughs> uh, one is. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> Move on. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, like I said, we never get to everything we're going to talk about. Um, but thank you very much once again for being on. This has been another episode of No Refunds. Um, you can email us at norefundspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram. You can check us out on Facebook. Tiffany, I think, said she might start a Twitter soon. Uh, I don't probably know not. Okay. It's too much work. I don't, Twitter scares me. Yeah, Twitter's weird. Um, and you are listening currently to The Hyper Potions. Time Trials is the name of the song. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Good day. No! Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Catch on the flippity flip. So, oh yeah, we'll do do a a, a quick 20 minutes on it. Yeah, we went like another 40. Yeah. Catch you on the flippity flip. Catch you on the flippity flip. Dude, your streets ahead. (laughs)